Hey, Gimme Shelter listeners, this is Matt. A few words here before you listen to this special bonus episode. A couple months back, Anna Scott, who's a fantastic housing and homelessness reporter at KCRW, one of LA's NPR stations, um, she approached Liam and I and told us that she was working on this narrative podcast um, about homelessness in LA. Liam and I were both big fans of her work. She was one of the reporters um, on There Goes the Neighborhood, the second season of There Goes the Neighborhood, which looked at gentrification in LA, which for my money is probably the best narrative podcast on housing, on any housing issue I've heard. So we were excited to hear what she was working on. Um, so Anna explained what her new podcast was, which was basically looking at the story of one person experiencing homelessness in LA and the effort to get that person housed. Considering kind of the focus of Gimme Shelter, Anna thought, hey, you know, your listeners might be interested in this. Would you be willing to run this on your feed? And Liam and I said, of course. Um, this sounds like something perfectly up our alley. So the podcast is finally out. It's called Samaritans. Um, it's a five-part series. We'll be airing episodes, I think, every other week or, or so, maybe more frequently than that. This is the pilot episode. It, it follows the story of Christine, who is a woman who is homeless in Los Angeles, um, and you actually get to see how the quote-unquote system both helps and then doesn't help Christine and what is actually involved in, in getting a person off the streets. I think today is an especially good day to release this episode on our feed, at least. Um, the new L.A. County homelessness numbers came out, and somewhat unsurprisingly, they were bad it's about a 13% increase in LA's homeless population, which is now up to 66,000 people, which is basically the size of a mid-sized city. So without further ado, here is Samaritans. Um, enjoy. You can also check this out on any of the other podcast platforms that you're, you're, you listen to Gimme Shelter on. They're available. And I highly recommend you follow Anna's work at KCRW. You can find her on Twitter easy enough. Thanks. Anybody can fall from grace. You don't have to be a wealthy person. Anybody can. That's what I, I say about myself. That's Christine Curtis. I met her last year. At the time, she was one of nearly 60,000 people homeless in L.A. County. You could often find her on a bus bench in the neighborhood where I live, too, mid-city, usually with earbuds in and a baseball cap over her short blonde hair. Oh, this is my friend Kim, my same. She went to get me some breakfast at McDonald's. One thing that struck me right away about Christine was how many friends she had, friends who lived in houses in the neighborhood. I mean, you hear a lot of stories about housed people being angry at homeless people, but spending time with Christine on the bus bench was like sitting on the porch with a beloved neighborhood old timer. People stopped by to chat, drop off water, blankets, flashlights, food. This is my friend Sandy. Oh, hey. Hi. Christine's friends helped her in small, everyday ways. But a few years ago, voters all over L.A. County did something big about homelessness. They overwhelmingly passed Measure H, a sales tax increase that's bringing in hundreds of millions of dollars a year to combat the crisis. Hi. Somebody that just called me Miss Christine, and I'm not sure who it was. You're listening to Samaritans, a four-part series hosted by me, Anna Scott. I cover housing and homelessness for KCRW, and by the time I met Christine, I had some questions. Like, with all that new money, why has the problem gotten worse? 
I mean, part of the answer is simple. The rent is too damn high, as they say. City and county officials will tell you they're housing tens of thousands of people a year, but can't keep up with everyone becoming homeless. That's not the whole story, though. That makes it sound like the local government is going around with a giant net scooping up people who are then immediately replaced by new people. It doesn't fully explain why thousands who have lived on LA streets for years, like Christine, stayed there even after Measure H. All right, my dear. I've got to, oh, don't you drop you, this. It's Ooh, hot. I won't drop it. It's thank hot, you. hot. And, and I that's am just hungry. like you like it. Yeah, and I am hungry. <laughs> <laughs> For the past year, I've been following Christine as a teeny fraction of that new tax money has gone into trying to house her. Now, obviously, I started this before the coronavirus pandemic. Since that hit, the city, the county, and the state have been taking new measures to get people indoors. But the basic infrastructure around how L.A. deals with homelessness hasn't changed. And you know what? Those questions I had, during the months I spent with Christine, I found answers. Oh my goodness, she got me two of those $4 sausage McMuffins. Cinnamon sticks. Ooh, look at that. I guess I'm pretty lucky if you think about it. Thank you, Lord, or whoever it is. (laughs) So back to Christine's friends. They're the reason she ended up receiving government assistance and the reason I met her, too. It all started with a guy I know well. My father-in-law, Bill Aaron. He and his wife live in Mid-City, too. If you know L.A., I mean the area around Pico Boulevard, immediately west of Fairfax Avenue. Bill used to see Christine on walks to his pharmacy, and because of what I report on, he eventually asked me if I knew of any way to get her formal help. Should we do a, a little role play? Of, let, let's just recreate the conversation. Um, Anna, there's this woman who lives in the strip mall down from her house. Do you know of any place in the city that I could go to to get her some help? As a matter of fact, there is a new website that's actually run not by the city, but by the county, Los Angeles County. One thing L.A. is spending that tax money on is street outreach. That is, bringing social services to people living on L.A.'s sidewalks and trying to move them indoors. Before Measure H, there were about 20 outreach workers for the whole county. Now there's close to 800. The website I told Bill about allows you to go online and request outreach for a specific person. So Bill went on there, entered what he knew about Christine, and told her that I might come talk to her to find out what happened from his request. He said you were looking for somebody and you were a reporter for the radio station. I was a little surprised that you picked me of all the people that are homeless. That surprised me. Although, I think you were looking for somebody stable, right, that wasn't uh, loco in the cabeza? It was, I knew that, that, that Bill had made this request and that, and that I could follow this whole process, you know, and see what happened. For a long time, not much happened. I went to see Christine for the first time last April, about three months after Bill made his request. Christine said a woman had been out to see her. She just showed up one day and said, I've been looking for you. I said, oh... <laughs> She said, I want to help you. You need help. I want to get you off the street. I said, okay. They talked. The woman left. She came back a second time, had Christine fill out paperwork, and that was it. 
So while waiting for more developments, Christine and I got to know each other. A few days a week, she'd sit on the corner in her chair. I would sit in my little collapsible stool and interview her about her life. I make meatloaf, but it's not like my mom. Full disclosure, sometimes I bought her ice, water, or string cheese from 7-Eleven. Spending so many hours together, it felt wrong not to. And more full disclosure, we really bonded over our love for the TV show, The Golden Girls. Oh, well, if you want to get into that, I will give you a scoop on that. You know the lady that played Blanche, Rue McClanahan, a friend of mine, and my father's, yes. I knew her son, yeah, we were in school together. I learned a lot about Christine, like she's a Hollywood girl. When she was a kid, her parents owned a house not far from the Walk of Fame, with a lemon tree in the backyard. Growing up, she was athletic, a decent student, and painfully shy. Sometimes we joke that I'm her biographer, but I'm gonna give you the very abridged version. There are really just two things you need to know about Christine's background that will matter later in this story. One is Christine's parents were her only close family members, and they dominated her life to an extreme degree. She doesn't remember ever having ambitions of her own. Her dad, though, wanted me to pay all my attention to him because he had a master plan that I was, when he got old, I was going to take care of him. I was going to I was going to be an old maid and I was going to take care of my father. After high school, Christine stayed in her childhood home. She worked as a fast food cashier, as a manager of a nut and candy shop, as a nanny. But sometime in her 30s, she stopped working to become a full-time homemaker for her aging parents. Christine lived with her parents into her 40s. My father was an incredibly domineering person. Not macho, just domineering. At any point during that time, did you think, I should just go find a job that pays enough to get my own apartment and move out? Probably think that's weird, huh? I never did. I never did. Because my mom and I were like sisters, you know. People used to think we were sisters. My mom looked damn good for a long time. And I just was like, as long as we had each other, it was like, that's all that mattered. The second thing you need to know about Christine's background is when she was in her late 40s, after her father died, she got married. I'm not going to be an old maid. (laughs) He was a musician named Patrick. Well, he had a wicked, wicked Irish smile, and I mean wicked. He wasn't ugly, but he wasn't good looking. He wasn't good looking like his brother. He was tall and kind of a big guy. I mean, for a rock and roller, he was no Mick Jagger. I'm talking about size-wise. He had a great laugh, too. (laughs) He was very charming. He was also an alcoholic and an addict. Only eight months after they married, Patrick got drunk and fell down in the shower. He died the next day from bleeding around the brain. Yeah, I did want to kill myself after my husband died. I didn't do anything about it, but believe me, I wanted to. Yeah, yeah, I did. Because I felt like if he doesn't deserve to live, I don't deserve to live, that's the way I felt. (laughs) At that point, Christine had been out of the workforce for more than a decade never lived alone. Her mother lived in a nursing home in Mid-City, the kind you can pay for with Medicaid or Medicare. Christine hung on to housing for a few years. Her mom helped a little, 
and the last place Christine lived indoors was a rented room in South L.A. No furniture, no bed. She slept on the carpeted floor. I asked Christine if she tried to find a job in the years after Patrick died. She said she applied at Starbucks. That was the only place I tried to get a job at once. I felt like, you know, I've been taking care of my parents, and then I took care of Patrick. I think that's, I thought it was my turn to be taken care of. Christine doesn't remember her first night sleeping outside, but it was sometime in 2012, and she remembers her spot. Do you know where the old Sizzler used to be on Wilshire? Between Fairfax and Crescent Heights, there was a, a Sizzler. They went out of business, and then there was a mattress place next door in the back, back, back side. So I don't know how I found it, so I used to go and sleep back, sleep there every night. Then I was scared out of my mind when I was first outside, yeah. believe me. Christine slept in parking lots along Wilshire Boulevard for five years. In 2017, she moved down to Pico Boulevard, looking for a quieter place to sleep. She had no idea she was about to join a community, one that would change the trajectory of her life. One morning, she was sitting on a bench, minding her own business, when this tiny woman approached her, walking an even tinier dog. She asked me if I, she could buy me lunch. I thought, well, my gosh, what a kind person. So I went and bought her lunch and came back, and we sat there and we talked a little bit. That was the first day. That's Kim Moore. She's lived in the neighborhood almost 50 years. Grew up here, got married, had kids, got divorced, moved back here. In a lot of ways, Kim and Christine are different. The most obvious things being Kim is housed, Christine is not, and Kim is black and Christine is white. But as they got to talking... We had more things in common than we didn't. She went to um, Hollywood Eye, I went to Fairfax. We both grew up in going to All-American Burger on Sunset, and I'm 61, she's 60. It was all in the same time period. Kim is retired, but still does occasional catering work. Something relevant to know about Kim's background, as a kid, she had horrible asthma. And when she was growing up, her parents had to work really, really hard to get her good medical care. Being black in the 60s, if my parents hadn't been such advocates for me, I probably would not have survived back then. I was that sick with asthma. Partly because of those experiences, Kim identifies with people who appear vulnerable and believes in sticking up for them. I don't feel like I have a, can do a whole lot, but I do feel like I do have a voice. And I can get indignant when it comes to things <laughs> that I think are unjust to anybody. <laughs> We just, we're both women, and it's cool. <laughs> That's just the basics of it. Right, Christine? That's right, yeah. <laughs> I need that all my family now. I bring my family, my, my mom. By the time I met her, Christine had a routine going. A typical day would start before 4 a.m. She slept in front of a vacant store in a mostly empty strip mall. It was out of the rain. I had a huge space all of myself. Yeah, it was nice up there. If she had a dollar, she'd go across the street for a coffee at McDonald's. She knew the regulars there. There was a group of them all born at the same hospital as Christine, Good Samaritan in downtown L.A. So I, I, I always said, hello, fellow Good Samaritan. <laughs> that laugh, by the way, you'll get used to it. Christine cracks up all the time, mostly when things are funny, but not always. 
Each morning by 7, she would usually be sitting on the corner by the strip mall in a folding chair, baseball cap on her head, cloth shopping bag full of stuff by her feet, earbuds plugged into an old chunky Walkman in her lap. Well, a friend gave this to me. It's from 30 years old. It came from Radio Shack, which you know they're long since out of business. She spent most days listening to talk radio and music. <laughs> Jack FM. Oh, I had NPR on this morning. Because if I get up like at 2 or 3, it's on. So I put that on. When she needed a bathroom, she'd cross the street back to McDonald's. Sometimes, if she had cash, she would drink a beer from the 7-Eleven. I asked her about her relationship to alcohol. My mom and I used to go out for lunch. We were ladies that did lunch. We'd get all dressed up and then go out, which was fun. We'd have wine. I haven't been into vodka and all that since my husband because, well, he was a major alcoholic. Are you an alcoholic? Well, uh, how, what do you call an alcoholic? How many drinks is that? Different people have different opinions. I mean, right now it's just beer. Yes, it was vodka way, way, way back. And then, and then wine sometimes, but then I can't, I can't afford wine now anyway, so. But I, I probably wouldn't drink any when I could afford it, probably not. Christine wasn't actively looking to get off the street, but she hadn't given up on the idea either. I must say I do miss a bed. Oh my goodness. Oh, I would love to have a bed <laughs> and a shower if you want to know the truth. However, she didn't know where she could find those things besides maybe a shelter on Skid Row. And she was afraid of Skid Row, an area known for its crowded, unsanitary and dangerous conditions. I'm telling you one thing, I'm never going downtown. <laughs> I'm not going to step one foot downtown LA. Not now, not ever. She also wanted to stay near her mom. Kim told me she would have housed Christine herself if she'd had space. If I had a bedroom, yeah. Yeah, we could work it out. Even if she did, though, she's not sure Christine would have accepted. I offered, do you want to go to a hotel? Then a neighbor of mine offered her his back garage that he had converted. She didn't want it. She didn't want to move from where she was. And her biggest reason was she was afraid of losing her shopping basket. Meaning the shopping cart where she stored her clothes, bedding, water bottles, umbrellas, toothbrushes, and other supplies. The way Christine explained it, she didn't want to get rid of anything until she'd gone through it all on her own time and weeded out what she wanted to keep. I, 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 a lot of it's got to go, but some things I need and I just haven't gotten around to actually sorting. Some people hear that and think if it's a choice between your things or just going inside, who cares about the things, you know? Like, that sounds irrational. Yeah, but in my case, I kind of feel like my things were like all I had. That's what I felt like. Yeah. It's sort of a certain comfort, like, even though you're homeless, like, you have something I, mean, I can't describe that feeling. It's a little, I guess other people probably have that feeling too. I, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. I know I'm not the only one that feels that way. So last January, when my father-in-law made his request to LA County, Christine didn't object, but wasn't in a hurry to go anywhere, which was good because February, March, and April went by without much happening. Then in early May, something finally did happen. One drizzly morning, I showed up on Christine's usual corner by the old strip mall. She and Kim were there sipping paper cups of coffee from McDonald's. A white van pulled up. Two women got out dressed in matching tops. They have um, sweatshirts that say your measure H tax dollars at work. 
Christine recognized one of them. Catalina Inahosa was the outreach worker who first came to see her in January. Catalina used to be homeless in LA herself. As an outreach worker, she connects people on the streets to services. She's one of my favorite. I and love her. Are you, do you have a lot of cases? I have like a caseload of 28. I said earlier that LA County has about 800 outreach workers like Catalina. That doesn't mean they're all county employees. First of all, there are a lot of entities that deal with homelessness in L.A., including county government, but also the city and even a whole separate city-county joint agency. I'm going to spare you the details of this convoluted setup. For now, just know that these various players outsource a lot of on-the-ground work to nonprofits. Catalina works for one called The People Concern. The woman with Catalina that morning last May was new to Christine. She was a nurse with a second nonprofit, the Venice Family Clinic. She kneeled down to cut Christine's toenails. Kim choked up seeing her friend finally receive some medical care. Every time I leave her, I just feel like I wish I could do more. I really do. The nurse handed Christine some small boxes of medicine. I got um the uh, generic Tylenol, and this one is for my my feet. Zinc ointment. You see my feet, how horrible they are. I, I hate to show them to people because they're so disgusting. Then a social worker arrived. That's not the same thing as an outreach worker. Social workers have special degrees, licenses, and in theory anyway, can pull more strings in the system. This social worker had Christine fill out some paperwork. Oh, let me see. Just basic you know, want to know my ethnicity and whether I was single, if I graduated from high school, you know, those basic questions. The social worker said she'd be back the following week and everyone left. Okay. So was Christine about to get a roof over her head? No. Of course, we want everyone to be moved indoors. That is ultimately the goal of all of this work is to get everyone indoors and housed. John Masseri is the CEO of The People Concern. That's the nonprofit Catalina works for. He wants to get everyone housed, except L.A. has a huge shortage of cheap apartments, rental vouchers, even shelter beds. In the meantime, you know, getting someone to see a physician, eat regularly, taking medication, these are all successes even if someone isn't housed. He's saying housing and even shelter are so scarce in L.A., a lot of street outreach is about finding other ways to improve people's lives, which is good, except sometimes not having an end game creates a sense of aimlessness. It's easy for folks to languish because it's not like, you know, for every individual who needs housing, we have five or ten options for them. We don't. And I think that creates a sense of, well, it'll get done when it gets done. So for a lot of people, that means getting help, but remaining homeless. Not everyone. A lot of Measure H money does go to immediately housing people by paying for things like rental vouchers. But for some of LA's neediest cases, they'll be waiting a long time. I'm exhausted, but I'm also excited at the same time. That's a weird feeling. Yeah, it's very strange, but I am. <laughs> what can I tell you? <laughs> More attention than I've had in years. <laughs>
Last May, Christine said that if all this new attention turned into a housing offer, she would take it. Except not until after her birthday, which was at the end of the month. It's not that far away. It's May 28th, so I want to get that out of the way first before I go anywhere. Well, several reasons. I like to spend it with my mother, for one thing, so I could go and spend the day. She hadn't seen her mother for months. I mean, it's not magic. I mean, the, the 28th is not that far away, so I don't see yeah. that they could possibly get anything done that fast. She was right about that. The social worker who visited Christine on the street never came back, like she said she would. A week went by, then another. Christine ran out of the medications the nurse gave her. Uh, Kim has left messages. Oh, well. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. I've been calling, but I'm not getting any response. And I'm getting, really feel like I'm getting a runaround. I do, because I mean, come on. May 28th, 2019, Christine's 60th birthday. She celebrated this major milestone in an alley next to a CVS drugstore. The big 6-0, I made it. Yeah. Unbelievably, but I made it. How do you feel? <laughs> I thought I'd be all depressed, but no, I'm actually not. It is a beautiful day. Kim and I were there to celebrate with her, plus a third woman named Amanda, a friend of Christine's who was also homeless. She told me her birthday was today, so I said, I'll just spend a day with her today. Yeah. Across the street, a construction crew was demolishing the old strip mall. Christine had been sleeping on the sidewalk since they'd first showed up. Oh, and that other part, wait, when you open, I'm gonna tell you what it is. Okay. <laughs> Kim said she'd be back later with a real gift a meal from Popeye's. That's the birthday request. And you want mashed potatoes and gravy and coleslaw, biscuit, butter, and some barbecue sauce. All right. <laughs> last year, that's what she had. That's what she wanted for her birthday, right? Yeah, we had Popeye's last year. For a while, it really felt like a party. We were all talking and laughing until an SUV pulled into the alley. The driver rolled down the window. She saw my microphone. Are you making an article about this? Or are you like, you're doing some journalism right now about it? Uh-huh. I think it's very important to note that the city does not, will, like, is barely offering anybody anything. I've, yeah. My kids, unfortunately, have seen this woman pull her pants down. And, and she does not care. And she will go in front of my little children. She was saying her kids had seen Christine go to the bathroom in the alley between the old strip mall and her house. This issue, peeing and pooping outdoors, is a common complaint about homelessness in L.A., not surprisingly. It's also a top misery among people who are homeless. Where to go to the bathroom, when? The woman in the SUV just said about Christine she does not care. But she does. She wants it known that she only ever used the alley out of desperation before she started relying on McDonald's. I stopped that. I know I did it, but I stopped it. Believe me. She can't say I have because I have. I just want it noted that, like, the community cares, but the community is also suffering. People that work so hard. You know, the, like, the middle class is, like, the ones that suffer in the end. You know, the ones that are working so hard and trying to take care of our family. So, and they're suffering, too. Everyone is suffering. Do you mind if I get your name? My name is Shirley. She didn't want to share her last name. It's a privacy concern, yes. I, I, have, I have compassion for the whole circle of what's going on. But as a mother, I have to take care of my children. Shirley looked past me and spoke directly to Christine. 
She said she was glad to see Christine in the alley and not on the sidewalk by her house. I really appreciate you moving your things. And please continue to leave your things here. And, or, you know, if they can't, help, help you move somewhere else. Christine looked down. Kim leaned in to coach her. Later, in the afternoon, I found Christine in her folding chair, this time around the corner from Shirley's house. She was still upset. She didn't need to come by. She wanted to rub it in and, and, and try to get Kim on her side. And get, I'm sure that's what it was. She wanted to get Kim thinking, oh, you don't want to help her. She's probably not worth it. The yeah, day's worn on. Even though I'm absolutely exhausted, I'll be okay. Yeah. I am pretty yeah. on the beat side. I am, yeah. I am, I am. Christine never did get around to visiting her mom that day like she'd hoped to. You know why? Because I want to give her positive news. I don't want, every time it's, oh, nothing's changing. I want to be positive and give her something to smile about. Yeah. I really do, you know. In the days after Christine's birthday, she moved her daytime spot from a chair on the corner to a bus bench across the street in front of McDonald's to avoid Shirley. Otherwise, nothing changed. Next time on Samaritans, one step forward. They insisted I take a shower and they gave me all clean clothes. I threw my other clothes out. And one step back. Uh, today I say I haven't eaten for two days. Plus I'm not clean and I don't go to things dirty. There's other days.